in light of all the crazy things that are going on in the world right now and all the fear and panic and I wonder if the most important thing I can say to you to start out today is God is for you. Amen. Amen. God is for you. You know what John, everybody knows John 3.16. You know what God 3.17 is? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's for you. He could have destroyed us from heaven. He could destroy us in an instant. He's for us. He wants to save us. Two things have specifically caused me to write today's message. The first one is I watched a video clip from a man I have great respect for, Dr. David Reagan. And recently he sent out a video. And in that video, he talked about the prophet Habakkuk and how incredible faith would be necessary, linking it to Habakkuk how it was going to require incredible faith for the church to survive these last days. So that prompted me when I saw that. It was so powerful, the video, that I I decided I would go back and reread through Habakkuk. It had been a while since I'd read that particular scripture. That, That was the first reason. The second reason, when Everything I've been preaching of late has been just kind of spontaneous or whatever I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me into in that particular week because times are changing. So I've had some stuff that was written out in the future, but I haven't been able to use any of it. Everything is pretty new. When I went back and looked at the the last three weeks of sermons, here's the topics. The first one three weeks ago was right and wrong, and then the sermon on no hope. What would it be like to have no hope? And last week is, why is everyone so angry? So when I melted all of that together, I felt the Holy Spirit compelling me to do something and ask this question today. Can a 2,600-year-old prophecy from a man named Habakkuk help us understand what's happening in the world right now? I'm going to tell you up front, I believe the answer is yes. And that's what we're going to do today. The prophet Habakkuk comes on the scene around 600 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. That's 2,600 years ago for us today, roughly. Habakkuk comes on the scene near the same time that the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar comes to power. Habakkuk lived in the same time as the prophet Jeremiah. They were terrible times. When Habakkuk and Jeremiah lived, it was terrible times for the people of Israel, the people of Judah. There was great distress throughout the land. And I want you to right now start thinking that as you read, it, as you read the writings of Jeremiah and prophet Habakkuk, you can kind of see a similar situation to where we live right now. There's so much turmoil. There's so much fear. There's so much angst about what's coming next. There's distress throughout the whole land. The northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed by the Assyrians, and the southern kingdom of Judah was following in their footsteps, leading them. Listen, leading them to God's abandonment 
And yet he was going to abandon them and destroy them. God's judgment was coming to Judah. The book of Habakkuk is called one of the minor prophets, not because it's minor in its content. It just simply means it's smaller than most of the other books of prophecy. The book of Habakkuk begins with this. And tell me, as I start reading today, can you compare what I'm about to read 2,600 years ago to right now today in our news? Here we go, Habakkuk 1.1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. When Habakkuk writes this, everything is falling apart, and it seems like God is not listening, or he just doesn't care. Do you ever feel like Habakkuk? Do you wake up some days, watch the news, and feel like Habakkuk? I do. Remember the context of this scene. The northern kingdom has fallen. The southern kingdom of Judah is about to fall. Yes, violence is everywhere. Evil is everywhere. Misery is everywhere. Destruction and violence are all around. And all the people want to do is argue and fight. Sounds like a normal day on Facebook to me. (laughs) The laws and the truths of God seem to be paralyzed in this violent culture, and there's no justice in the courts. No one seems to be able to find justice. Sound familiar? Can you listen to these words and lay our modern world right on top of it, and we look just like that? It sure looks like the wicked outnumber the righteous and justice is out of reach. Does this 2,600-year-old story sound like it could be written by a man of God today? Do you think this could have any application to us in July of 2020? How do you think God will respond to the prophet Habakkuk? Habakkuk has just made this charge against God. How do you think God's going to respond? I'm glad you're all sitting down right now because you would need to sit down to grasp God's answer to Habakkuk. He has just claimed that, Lord, how long must I call to you for help? And you don't listen. There's violence everywhere, destruction, arguing, fighting. The law is paralyzed. No justice in the courts. We're a mess. And what do you think God's going to say? Here we go, verse 5. 
the Lord replied, Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, Habakkuk. I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. God is revealing something to Habakkuk so big, so world-changing that it is almost unbelievable. God was going to raise up an invading army to come against the very nation that he himself had established, Judah, Israel. God's going to raise up an invading army from the north. God is doing it. You have to understand, Habakkuk says, you're not even answering my prayers. Do you not know what's going on down here? And God answers, yeah, I know, and this is what I'm about to do. And it's so big that you wouldn't believe it even if I told you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. God is doing it. Did you hear me? Judgment's coming. God is doing it in response to all the wickedness of the people. Okay, preacher, that's interesting, but what in the world does that have to do with us today? How can you say that this 2,600-year-old event has application today? Do you think God's changed you think he doesn't notice the, what's going on in the kingdoms of men? Let's apply that same line to that one verse. Let's read verse 5 again. The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Can you compare our current sin? Can you compare our current idolatry? Can you compare our current abandonment of the truth, abandonment of the laws of God to what was happening in the time of Habakkuk? Can you compare them? Can you see the evil that Habakkuk talked about all around him is all around us today. Can you see? One of my concerns for the modern American church is that they don't see it. Sin has become so common that you can't even see it. Do you think God is absent or disconnected from our present reality? Yeah, I can see him responding to Judah in the time of Habakkuk, but I don't see him responding to America today or the world today. Really? I wonder if Habakkuk asked the question of God that he really didn't want to answer to. <laughs> when you read the rest of this, I really wonder if Habakkuk asked the question that he never comprehended the answer. I wonder if Habakkuk really thought that God was going to bring an army to destroy Judah. 
that God's going to raise up a military force in the north that's going to come and destroy Judah, destroy Jerusalem, burn down the temple? Let's face it, that seemed unbelievable. God wouldn't do that, would he? He wouldn't destroy Jerusalem, the holy city, the city that bears his name, the city of the great king. He wouldn't burn down the temple that housed the very presence, the glory of God, would he? Would he? Here's the words, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Would you believe it? In fact, that's the title today, Habakkuk. Can you believe it? Even if somebody told you in advance, would you believe it? No, because God is telling Habakkuk in advance what's about to happen. And God states clearly that even if I tell these people in advance, they won't believe it because it's unbelievable what's about to happen. But it's going to happen. God has just revealed the coming judgment and wrath to Habakkuk. And this is how Habakkuk responded to that news. Verse 12. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our God, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their, Babylon's treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? I can almost hear God say in that moment, I told you you wouldn't believe it even if someone told you. The Babylonians are going to come and rebuke and punish, but they won't wipe us out, right, God? They won't wipe us out. That, that's not what you meant, is it, Lord? The Babylonians are pagans. They are more evil than us. How can you use these evil people to judge us, to wipe us out? Oh, Lord, we're bad, but we're not as bad as them. Surely you grade on the curve. Habakkuk has a reasonable question. I think it's a reasonable question. Babylon was indeed evil, and why would God use such an evil people to do his work, to execute his judgment? God had allowed Habakkuk to have eyes to see. In fact, this whole book of Habakkuk begins with what Habakkuk could see. Evil everywhere fighting everywhere, no justice, no righteousness, the complete abandonment of the laws of God. It's everywhere. God had allowed Habakkuk to have eyes to see the evil that had taken over the nation of Judah. Habakkuk saw the evil, but he couldn't imagine. Church, listen carefully. Habakkuk saw the evil, but he could not imagine how severe God's response to evil would be. 
I know we're evil. I know we're rotten. I know there's no justice. I know there's idolatry. And I know that, there's no, that the courts can't even make a right judgment. I know, I know, I know, I know. But surely you wouldn't send Babylon to destroy us. Because we're better than them. Habakkuk continues. Verse 14. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever, Lord? Will they succeed forever? In their heartless conquests, Lord, forever. Will you let them, will you let Babylon get away with this forever? Will their heartless conquest over Israel that you're announcing last forever? Is this how things are going to be from now on, Lord? You see, Habakkuk is overwhelmed by the announcement of God's judgment and his anger and his wrath. And Babylon's coming. He's overwhelmed. And Habakkuk's question has application today. Is this how things are going to be from now on? Is this permanent? And when I look at how the church looks at the world today, many are asking the same question now. Is the current world order that we're looking at, is this how it's going to be from now on? Are your people hopeless, Lord? Have you abandoned your people, Lord? That's what Habakkuk's asking. Will you let the wicked succeed forever, Lord? Habakkuk wants an answer to these questions. He wants to know, is this permanent? Is this how things are going to be from now on? He continues. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will climb up to my watchtower. He wants an answer. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post, and there I will wait and see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. What is his complaint? Is this how it's going to be from now on? You've just announced that Israel's going to be invaded and we're going to be overthrown. Is this how it's going to be from now on? The Lord is about to answer Habakkuk, and I must tell you that this answer is why I preach this sermon today. The Lord's answer has specific application to every one of us right now, today. Are you ready for this? I hope so. But I'm going to tell you before I read it. Some will be ready. And some won't. And some of you are going to get it, and some of you won't. In fact, I'll tell you, what's going to happen today will be just like it was in the time of Habakkuk. That some of you won't believe it, even though somebody tells you in advance. Are you ready? Before I read it, listen to these words of God. But this time, and when I, as I read them, I want you to overlay them to today. 
Not 2,600 years ago, but right now. Here come the words. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. So right now, I want you to imagine what's happening in our world. Anybody amazed at the events so far in 2020? Because I am. For I am doing something in your own day. Something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Here comes God's answer to Habakkuk. He says, I'm going to my watchtower and I ain't leaving until you answer me. And here comes God's answer. Verse 2. And then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Now, I'm going to pause and let you know that you have a copy of what Habakkuk wrote down, and I'm reading it to you right now. Does that make this pretty important? Because God looks at Habakkuk and says, write my answer plainly on tablets. What's the answer? What's he answering? Is this how it's going to be from now on? Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Here it comes. Here it comes. This vision is for a future time. Huh? It describes the end. Huh? This vision is for a future time, Habakkuk. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place, and it will not be delayed. Forever. Will you let them get away with this forever? Forever. Will their heartless conquest over Israel last forever? These are his questions that God is now answering. Is this how things are going to be from now on, Lord? Are we hopeless forever, Lord? Have you abandoned your people forever, Lord? Will you let the wicked succeed forever, Lord? This vision is for a future time. Listen, church, listen. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place, and it will not be delayed you and I are reading that which was written down by Habakkuk 600 years before Jesus was born. 2,600 years ago for you and I. We live, listen, we live in that future time Habakkuk is referring to. The last days. The apostle Paul announced it clearly. Peter announced it. Jesus announced it, that we live in the final chapter of mankind called the last days. And I wonder if there are people even sitting in the room right now that you wouldn't believe it even if somebody told you. It will be fulfilled. I wonder how many generations have read Habakkuk and waited patiently. What? God said to Habakkuk this, it will surely take place. What will take place? God said to Habakkuk, it will not be delayed. 
What will not be delayed? Do you know? What was Habakkuk's complaint? To answer the question, you have to understand what his complaint to God was. What was his complaint? There is no justice and there is no righteousness in the whole land. Listen, but there will be. There is no justice. There is no righteousness in the whole land. Habakkuk says to God, and God says what? It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. There will be justice, and there will be righteousness in the land. It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. The people are wicked and filled with self-pride. They have abandoned the laws and the truth of God. But something's coming. God's telling Habakkuk, 600 years before Jesus is even born, he's telling Habakkuk, something's coming. Wait patiently for it, and it will surely take place. It'll not be delayed. This next verse reveals the power of God's Word to save us. This next verse, what I'm about to read to you, reveals the power of God's Word to save us. One verse in the middle of this prophetic Word of God from the prophet Habakkuk, 2,600 years old. One verse. One verse that's going to separate all of mankind. One verse that's going to separate the sheep from the goats. One verse that's going to separate the lost from the saved. Hell and heaven, forgiven and unforgiven. One verse in a 2,600-year-old prophecy that affects everybody living on planet Earth right now. Verse 4, next verse. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves. And their lives are crooked. But the righteous, this is God's answer to Habakkuk's complaint. This is God's answer. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves. Their lives are crooked. But there's another group of people. And they don't trust in themselves. And their lives aren't crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness. To God. This is God's answer to Habakkuk. One eternal verse of absolute truth. The proud will die in their pride, but the righteous will live by faith. The unrighteous will die in their pride, but faith is what? What does it mean? Faith is to trust in God, to live faithfully trusting in God. Pride is to trust in yourself. Everybody listen, because it's a powerful thing. I heard a preacher years ago said that pride will be the religion of hell. Pride is trusting in you, self, and being faithful to self. That's the opposite of faith. Faith is trusting in God and living faithfully trusting in God. But there's another option. 
This one verse reveals a truth that will separate all of mankind, the lost and the saved. And this revelation of God to Habakkuk reveals a future time. Why does he say it's future? Do you know what that means? I'll read it again. Verse 3. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled if it seems slow in coming. Wait patiently for it. Will surely take place. It'll not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. That prophecy was given to Habakkuk 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I hear these words. If it seems slow in coming... Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Jesus came some 600 years later, and the righteousness of God was nailed to a tree in Jerusalem. Jesus came and Jesus suffered. He was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. Jesus revealed himself to hundreds of people after the resurrection, and then he took his place in heaven at the right hand of the Father with all power, dominion, and authority belonging to him. And here we are today, 2,000 years after the time of Christ, and we still have this one single verse Verse 4, look at the proud. They trust in themselves. Their lives are crooked. But the righteous, this verse separates all humanity. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. One verse tucked inside of the, one of the minor prophets, one verse that describes the fate of all mankind, an eternal, absolute truth of God. The proud will die in their pride. The righteous will live by faith. The unrighteous will die in their pride. Faith, listen church carefully, is to trust in God. Faith is not an intellectual event where I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe there was a man 2,000 years ago died. I believe there was. Well, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful place to begin. But do you trust him? Do you believe him enough to trust him? Faith is trusting. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. That's trust. That's trusting Him. That's not an intellectual encounter. You trust Him. Because what's the opposite? So what's what's the big deal? Pride also has trust, but it's in you. It's in you. Pride is trusting in self. And when your pride puts your trust in you, you know who you live in faithfulness to? You. You. You see, faith means I trust in Jesus and I live faithfully to Jesus. But pride puts my trust in me and I live faithfully to me. Me, 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 me. 
Do you see it? I keep hearing God to Habakkuk, I'm going to reveal something to you that people are not going to believe it even if I told them. I want to repeat Habakkuk 1.5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something your own day. I'm doing something in your own day. Could, could this have any application right now? I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Do you see it? Do you understand? Right now, I just wonder, I pause and look at the audience and say, do you see it? Do you understand? The righteous will live by faith, and that faith will save them. The righteous. The righteous means you're, you're now right with God. You're not wrong with God. You're right with God. What is it that made you right with God if you were before wrong with God? Faith. And the righteous will live by faith. Faith. Do you understand the saving power of faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul. Now, I'm, I'm going to bring this to where we can understand it in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul encountered the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. This is how Paul describes that encounter and the word that he received from Jesus at this encounter, a word that should have great power in this room right now. I'm talking about saving power. The Apostle Paul is going to experience what Habakkuk already revealed. Here we go. Paul has encountered Jesus, Acts 26, 15. So Paul's kind of knocked down. He's blinded by the great light. Who are you, Lord? I ask. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet. For I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people, the Jews, and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you, Paul, to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Why do you need to open their eyes? So that they might turn from the darkness to the light. Stay with me. Paul, there's a message that I'm going to give you that will make people in the darkness get over in the light. It keeps going. And from the power of Satan to God. So this, this message will move you out of the dark into the light. It'll move you out of Satan into God. There's one more. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people. Now, now I want to set this up. Jesus is revealing to Paul a message. And this message takes you out of the darkness and puts you in the light. It takes you out of Satan's grip and puts you in the grip of God. It takes you out of a sin life that is unforgiven and puts you in a life where you are absolutely forgiven. How? How? Habakkuk could have wrote this part. How? Who are given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Faith. Set apart 
by faith. Set apart. What's it mean? Well, you used to be in the dark, and now you're in the light. You're set apart. You used to belong to Satan, and now you belong to God. You're set apart. You used to not be forgiven. You were unforgiven, and now you're forgiven. You're set apart. A line that divides all of humanity. What is it? Faith. In Jesus Christ, faith. Let's go back to Babylon. Back to Habakkuk. Babylon came after Habakkuk, and yes, they destroyed Judah. They destroyed Jerusalem, and they destroyed the holy temple exactly like God told him. The Jewish people were scattered all over the earth, just like God told Habakkuk and Jeremiah. But it's not forever. It will not continue forever. After that time passed, Jesus came. The apostles were chosen. The Word of God has gone out to the Gentiles all around the world. What Word? What message? The message that God gave to Habakkuk is the same message that God gave to Paul. The righteous shall live by faith. Set apart by faith. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, like the Apostle Paul, am not ashamed of this life-saving gospel message of Christ. Paul reveals the same truth of Habakkuk to the church in Rome. Now understand, this is some 600 years after Habakkuk's prophecy. The Apostle Paul is going to tell the Roman church, by the way, they were Gentiles. Here we go, Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. For it is the power. Here we go. It's powerful. What is this good news? It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. What is the power? The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how, tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finished. How? What makes me right with God? By faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Paul quotes Habakkuk Scripture again. He's quoted it to the Romans, and now he's going to quote it to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the Scriptures say how? It is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, all of that to bring me to the end of Habakkuk's prophecy. Remember, Habakkuk lived in the last days before the fall. I don't want you to let that out of your mind. Habakkuk lived in the last days before the fall. Things were terrible. The judgment of God was about to come upon all the people. And it is in that context that God reveals that faith is what makes you right with God. Is everybody hearing me? What is the context that God reveals faith is what makes you right with God? It was in the last days before their fall. He reveals it to Habakkuk. Faith is to trust in God instead of self. That includes trusting in God over government, trusting in God over science, especially trusting in God over yourself. Trusting in God no matter what. 
everything looks like around you, you still trust in God. It is in that context that God reveals and the righteous shall live by faith. Now, listen to the closing of Habakkuk's prophecy. Understand, he knows everything is about to be destroyed and lost. And he writes these words, 317. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines. What do you think he's talking about? He sees the devastation and hunger that's coming to the land. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there's no grapes on the vines, and even though olive crops fail, and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. What is that telling you? Absolute cultural devastation has come. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Is that you? What I just read, is that you? Is that how you're looking at this current world order? Is that you? Even though that there's a pandemic, and even though that we're telling we got to wear a mask, and even though we can't do this and can't do that, and this is happening, and there's lawlessness, and there's no justice in the courts, and it looks like everything's gone crazy, yet I will trust in the Lord. Is that you? Yes. Are you afraid? I've learned one thing in my life, that fear is the enemy of faith. Fear. Fear is the enemy of faith, because when you're afraid, you find a million things to put your trust in, and only one works. When everything's falling apart, we still trust in God. Faith is not an intellectual exercise. Faith is being sure and certain. God's made promises. I'm His son. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. He's going to take care of things on the last day. It might get crazy between now and the last day, but he's got this, right? It's called faith. There's no blossoms on the fig trees. There's no grapes on the vines. There's no olive crop. And the fields are bare without any hope of harvest. No flocks in the fields. The barns are empty. No cattle. Yet I will trust in the Lord. He is my salvation. He is my righteousness. Is that you? Church, I'm asking, is that you? So I'm going to summarize and wrap this up. Look at the world events. Can you see, I'm asking, can you see God is doing something right now in our day? It breaks my heart that many people in the church still don't see. You still don't see. I went back and I went through some of my notes on February 23rd, three weeks before, three weeks before the pandemic broke and we knew anything about a pandemic. I remember standing up here in both services and saying something like this. Something is coming that's going to rock your world. It was not in my notes. I just said it. Now listen, I don't claim to be a prophet or have some foreknowledge. I don't. I do not. But why did I say that three weeks in advance? On March the 8th, one week before the pandemic hit, 
I stood up here and I said these words. The Holy Spirit is revealing to me a time of great suffering is ahead for the church. And my responsibility is for me to prepare myself for a time of hardship and to prepare the church for the same. Would you believe it if God told you in advance? I'm going to be careful how I say this next part. There's a preacher down in southern Kentucky that claims to have had some visions. I can't validate anything about that guy. But I watched. I paid attention. And it makes me wonder. His visions about incredible things happening in the final part of this year. I don't know. I'm not validating him. Don't say I validated him. But I'm not going to devalue him either. Can you see? Here's my question. It was the title today. Can you believe it if somebody told you? Would you believe it? Can you see what's going on in the world today? Would you believe it if somebody told you and you read it in the book? Would you? So here's where I'm going. When Habakkuk started having a complaint or a discussion with God... He's talking about Israel. Is this the way it's going to be forever? In other words, is Israel lost? Babylon's going to destroy us. Is it, is it done? No, it's not done. They were destroyed, by the way. They were destroyed. And then 70 years later, after the Babylonian captivity, they came back. They rebuilt. In the time of Christ, it was rebuilt. There was a temple. And then in 70 AD, it was destroyed again. And here we go. They're just scattered again. All of it was prophesied in advance. Will it last forever? No. You see, Habakkuk is getting a history lesson in advance. This last week, I read news that during this pandemic, the nation of Israel is planning for 250,000 more Jewish people to move called Aliyah, which is where they're coming from all over the world. They don't even know why they're coming. The pandemic is perhaps the motivation, but they're coming. 250,000. They're making room for 250,000 Jewish immigrants from every tribe and tongue and nation. They're all coming back to Israel. Why? I don't think they know. It's called Aliyah. God is regathering his people, answering Habakkuk's question, will this last forever? No. Something's happening in your day that you wouldn't believe even if I told you. Can you see it? In the middle of the regathering, in the middle of the world events, can you see it? If somebody told you, would you believe them? Habakkuk lived in a time of great suffering. And I'm going to tell you again, we may also live in a time of great suffering. But the righteous will live by faith. Are you listening? Putting our trust totally in God. The New Testament book of Hebrews quotes Habakkuk. Do you understand? Paul quotes it to Romans. Paul quotes it to Galatians. It's also in the book of Hebrews. What they're all talking about what God revealed to Habakkuk. Hebrews 10.32 Think Back to those early days. And what's the context? 
Think back to those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. I wonder what would happen to the modern American church if some people start getting thrown in jail because they refuse to give this up. Will they scatter like rats? You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. That's faith. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, church, so that you'll continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that He has promised for in just a little while, In just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And what's the context of this announcement? In just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And now he's going to quote Habakkuk. And my righteous ones will live by faith. There it is. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their destruction. We're the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. The proud are going to die in their pride forever lost. The righteous are going to live by faith forever saved. The unrighteous will die in their pride. Faith is to trust God and live faithfully trusting God. Pride is to trust in yourself. Habakkuk 1 verse 5, I'll read it again. Look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Can you believe it? I told you last week about the question that someone asked me a while back. The question is, somebody asked me is this, do you believe the average American church attender will survive the time of testing that's coming? My answer then is the same as today. No. No, no, no. They will fall away when things get tough. And the reason I say that, I see many falling away even now. They're afraid. Afraid. Fear is the enemy of faith. Jesus warned us about this coming time. And he told us to do something specific. And I'm going to tell you, I take it so literally that I pray this particular prayer every day. He told us it's going to get really hard toward the end. In Luke 22, verse 29, then he, Jesus, gives them this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near, right? You can tell. In the same way, when you see all these things, what's he talking about? Can you see? When you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. And I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. And heaven and earth are going to disappear, but my words are never going to disappear. So what do I do about that? Next verse, watch out. 
Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. And don't let that day, what day? Don't let that day catch you unaware like a tramp. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Would you believe it if somebody told you? That day is going to come upon everyone like a tramp. That day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times. And here's the practical application. There's a prayer that he tells you to pray. I encourage you to pray. What is it? Pray that you would be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Pray it every day. Jesus also gives this warning to the church of Philadelphia. And I ask you today, are you listening to the Spirit today? Revelation 3.10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere. Why do you think we're going to need to persevere? Because it's going to get really hard toward the end. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Do you see the context? It's in the context of his coming. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so no one can take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they'll be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear? Anybody listening? Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Do you believe this stuff? Is it possible that a 2,600-year-old prophecy from Habakkuk can tell us right now what's happening in the world? It'll be a future time. I want to repeat Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Listen, one last time. This is it. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. Is it us? This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. And it will be fulfilled. What will be fulfilled? It's, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. What will surely take place? It will not be delayed. What will not be delayed? The righteous will live by faith. It will separate all of mankind. One will be in the dark and the other will be in the light. And one will be in Satan and the other will be in God. And one will be unforgiven and the other will be forgiven. And between those two groups of people, the righteous will live by faith. It's faith. You trust God. I believe right now the church is being pruned. Somebody asked me if I'm disheartened because we're only about half what we used to be as far as attendance. Maybe that's the Lord's pruning. I don't know. I leave that to Him. I believe the church is not just being pruned, it's being purified. You got to be serious about coming to church now. Because the world has told you this is the most dangerous place you'll ever be. 
I really don't think this place is that dangerous. When I went to Israel, I got to see how they used to do olive pressing. It's pretty amazing to watch how they do it and what it means. And they, they press the olives and they get the first pressing, but at the very end, they get the final pressing. And the final pressing is the pure virgin oil. It's the expensive stuff. It's the last pressing. They get the last pure olive oil. That olive oil was what was in the lamps of those five bridesmaids in Jesus' story. It is the light of the world. It reveals faith and trust in Christ. The squeezing, the pressure, the hardship, the suffering that's going on in the world right now is designed by God to produce the pure oil of faith. I want to say it again. God is for us. And he wants to take this squeezing that's happening around the earth that's making some people afraid. He's wanting to take this squeezing, this pressure, this hardship, this suffering, and he wants to produce a pure oil of faith. So that we say that regardless of what's going on around, Lord, I just trust you. When there's no grapes on the vine, and there's no olives on the trees, and there's no cows in the barn, and there's no nothing, and it looks pretty bleak, still I will trust in you. Is that you? You see, the problem is, Jesus in that story says, when the bridegroom came, what separated everyone on earth was whether or not they had this pure oil when the door opened. Because I believe, listen, that the day of the Lord's return is getting closer and closer. And he says, I'll ask Chad to come on out. He says that when he comes, there was a shout that went out. There was a shout. And the shout was, the bridegroom's coming. And there were five that had what? There were five that had oil in their lamps, right? They had this pure virgin oil in their lamps. And then there were five that did not. They thought, well, now would be a good time to have faith. But you know what? There's a time that's too late to get faith. And the door opened, and those who had this oil, now I'm going to tell you, I believe it is the pressure that refines this oil. It is the testing that makes us find out who we really are. And right now, we're figuring out who we are, church. We're figuring out who we are right now. And when the door opened, five of them went through, and they went to the wedding, and the door closed. And then later, these five came back, and they've got oil now. i got some oil now. And they knock on the door. Lord, open the door. And he says, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. So here's my last question. Would you believe this message of Christ, even if somebody told you? He told Habakkuk, something's happening in your day that people wouldn't believe it even if I told them. I don't, I'm not sitting here saying I know the return of Christ's date. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's 20 years from now. Maybe it's this week. I don't know. So what am I going to do? I'm going to plan on it being today. I'm going to put oil in my lamp today. I'm going to let the pressure of this current pandemic and all the pressure of the church during the pandemic to refine and press 
and make that all pure and trust God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would press upon us and produce this marvelous pure oil. And it would fill our lamps. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. We're not going to pretend like it's not important. We're going to let it shine for the world to see that the righteous will live by faith, sure and certain that every promise that you have made belongs to us through Jesus our Lord. Now, Lord, move among us in your spirit. Open our ears, our hearts, our eyes to see. And may we hear today what the Spirit says to the church in Jesus' name. Amen. We're opening the invitation. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you today, would you respond to him today? Let's stand.